books and all that, I want to just take a moment for us just to pause kind of as a church and rewind and, and look back at some of the things that God's done, but also, more than anything, just to kind of have a little family meeting, if that's cool. So if you're a guest here, first off, welcome to the family. Um, but if you've been here for a while, we're gonna, I want to talk to you specifically today, and we're going to have a little bit of a, a family meeting. The title of my message today is, We Are Family. And so uh, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. Um, if you got some notes, wave them at me just so I can see that you got them. You can pay attention there if you got them. If you don't, uh, we, got, we got more in the back. But uh, we encourage note-taking. It's a part of what we do here at OSC because how, how many are note-takers by nature? you just taking notes. How many, you got, how many you are task list type of people? You got a task list? Uh, me and Jonathan were talking about this the other day. I create tasks. And when I, I can't get that in my task, any of y'all get frustrated when you can't get your tasks taken care of and they're not off? I just put things that I know I can do, like go to the bathroom, check. All right, good. I feel good. I feel good. Anybody else? Uh, that's just me. Okay, maybe so. I'm sorry. But uh, we, we give notes definitely for you to be able to go back and look over, and, and I know God can, can speak to you in many, many ways in there. If, if you're new here to OSC, let me just share a little bit of who we are. We are a, a family church. We are a church for all people. Our passion is to reach people and to build lives. That's why we exist. We have a church here in Jennings, but this isn't the only church that we have. We are a church with many kiddos, and uh, we have, we, in 2007, we planted a, a church in Crowley, I mean, in Eunice. Uh, and so we have an OSC Eunice campus there. And then in last year, we planted our second uh, church in Crowley. And, and, and so we are proud parents of two. And, and we're not getting on birth control either. Like we got, we got a lot of kids that are about to get birth and we got many campuses that are coming your way. And so maybe you're not used to that's okay. But uh, we have a passion to make disciples and plant churches. And we feel like the greatest way that we can make disciples is to plant churches. And the greatest way that churches will get, get planted is when we make disciples. And so that's who we are. That's, our, that's, that's what we do as a church. And we're going to continue to plant churches. We're going to continue to send people. And, and, and so we're, we're always looking at ways to get better. We're always looking at ways to improve. We're always looking at ways to reach more people. And so I wanted to talk to you about uh, two different things because as a, I'm going to give you kind of an inside look as to what we do in some of our staff meetings and, and what we do as a staff because one of the things that people don't know is we track everything here at OSC. Uh, you'll, you'll maybe see ushers in the back kind of doing this. Okay, we, we count people. Every weekend, week in and week out, we count how many people are in the seats, how many kids are in the children's rooms, how many adults are in the worship center, how many children are in the worship center. We do that. That's what you call hard data. That's what that's called. It's called hard data. And so uh, here's, here's some really exciting news about hard data is over the past probably six weeks, our attendance has been going through the roof. We've been averaging over 200 and something people every weekend here in Jennings. So... Excited for you, excited for the people that you're bringing, and God's doing incredible things there. Um, really cool that's happening is we're, we're averaging right now anywhere between 50 to 65 kids in OSC Kids every weekend. So that says one of two things. Either you really love your wife, or we really love kids. And I'm going to go with both on that one. And so we have kids galore. And, and the thing that's exciting about that, here's the thing that's really exciting about that, is that's future of OSC right there. Any church that you walk in and their children's ministry is dwindling, it's only a matter of time when that church will be. And so I love to see what God is doing in our OSC kids, what God is doing in our students, what God is doing in college age, and, and our numbers are growing. And that's, that's hard data. We actually count that. We've even counted cars, how many cars we have in our parking lot, because then we can figure out exactly how many people we have. And there's a reason we count that. There's a reason we do hard data. You can go back and I can show you how many people we've had all the way back from 2005. We've tracked it every weekend since then. And the reason we do that is because every time we're going to go and build, we need to know how many people we have. We need to know how many kids. We're in the, about to be in the middle of another building project with our REACH Center. And this is what we're meeting with the architect. Here's what the architect wants to know. How many kids do you have? And so there's a reason that we count. How many kids do we have in ARC? And how many kids do we have in Quest Junior? And how many? We need to know all that so that we can build appropriately. We need to know how many cars we have so that we can build a bigger parking lot. How many say hallelujah to that one? Concrete, please. 
So all you got to do is just start giving, and we'll get a concrete. <laughs> Nobody cheered on that one. Okay. Everybody just laughs. Like $200,000. Okay. Um, so that's hard data. That's hard data. We, we track all that. We do all that. We feel like we should be doing that to keep track of people. But that is not the most important number that we look at. That's hard data. What we track more than anything, though, is not just hard data, but is heart data. Heart data. Heart data is a, is a totally different thing. Heart data is how many people have gotten saved. Amen. And I'm excited to tell you that over 35 people have gotten saved in the last two months here at OSC. In Jennings specifically, those are the numbers that we like to see. How many people are getting baptized? We had Y'all remember this last baptism, was dozens of people that just were coming and getting baptized. We're, we're looking at that because you know what that says? That means lives are being changed. It means people are coming from death to light. They're seeing Jesus. How many people are in our next step classes? How many people are taking their next step? Not just coming on a Sunday and attending, but how many people are actually taking the next step and getting connected into the church and excited to see that we have a, a group of people right now that are going through that and exciting to see that, that taking place. And if you want to get connected, this is your next step. Dream team, how many people are serving in the church? This is another heart data because, you know, people that say they're all in, they, they need to be all in not only in their attendance but also in their serving. And I'm excited to say that over 50% of our church here serves on a dream team here at OSC. And that's exciting to hear. When you have 200 and something people and over 100 of them are serving, that's great news. Where are you at the other 49? That's what I want to know. So we still got some work to do, but it's exciting to hear. Life groups. How many people are in life groups? Here's the really coolest thing that we got going on. We have more life groups happening right now in the history of our church than ever. So we have 12 life groups going on. I think the biggest we ever had maybe was six. And so we've already doubled just within the past three or four months. We've already doubled the number of life groups. And I'm excited to say over 50% of our people are actually plugged into a life group that's going on right now. So that's exciting news. That's all heart data because you know what that means? That means people's lives are changing. That means people are getting involved. And that's what we want to see. Another thing that we check that's heart data is finances. Now you say, I thought that probably is more like hard data. That's not hard data. That's like money. Well, not according to the Bible, because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your, come on, let's, let's preach this one together. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So, so we track how many people give on a weekend, we track how much money we come, that come in. We, we track how much money is going out. And I'm excited to tell you that we are in the healthiest financial place we have ever been in the history of our church. More money has come in in the past five weeks than ever in our church, probably in a five-week span. And you know what that shows? Heart. Amen. Shows heart. Shows that hearts are changing. Because you know what? You know when people aren't giving, their heart's not in it. Because you give where your heart is. And so that's how we measure these things of what God is doing in our house is through the hard data, but also through the heart data to see the changes that are going on. I want to turn your attention to Psalms 127 because the reason I share all this, the reason I talk about hard data and talk about heart data is because this is the question that we've got to lay on the table. What are we doing? What are we building? What is God doing here at OSC Jennings? God's doing some exciting things in OSC Crowley. God's doing some exciting things in OSC Eunice. And I am so excited about that because we are one church and we all celebrate together and we win together and we lose together. But I want to talk specifically to this campus. What are we doing here at OSC Jennings? Psalms 127. If you're there, say I'm there. It says this. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So here's the question. What are we trying to build? The answer is a house. We're trying to build a house. And here's the next question you got to ask. How many of you have actually built your own house? You've actually built a house. Any people in here have actually built a house? Okay. Um, if you've ever built a house, the reason why you build a house is because you want a home. You build a house because you want a family. You don't build a house just to say, I have a house. You build a house 
for what's going to go on the inside of that house, which is a family. And one of the things that we see in Psalms 127, you can put that back up there. One of the things that we see in Psalms 127 is that not only are we building something, but God's building something. So I think the real question that we got to ask is, what is God building at OSC Jennings? And what he is building is he's building a house. And more than that, he's not building a house. He's building a family. That's what goes in a house, is a family. You build a house because you want a family. And God wants a family. One of the things you'll hear us talk about all the time, it's one of our core values, is spiritual family. See, because here's the deal. If we just wanted a crowd, we would be concerned just about that hard data. How many people are in the seats? That's what we'd be concerned about all the time, if we just wanted a crowd. But if we want a family, we're not concerned about the hard data. We're concerned about the heart data because we want family. We're more interested in that. Now, I get frustrated sometimes, to be honest with you, when people say, I don't need church. And that bothers me. And I'm going to tell you why it bothers me. Because what people are really saying is, I don't need people. That's what they're saying. I don't, I, don't, I don't do the church thing. Well, what you're saying is, I don't need people. But it's amazing. Let tragedy strike. And all of a sudden, you need people. You need people. And so God here at this house and all of our churches across the board, God is building a family. God wants a family. And let me just say this. We are Come on. We are a family. Let's try it again. We are a family. I mean, it would be good if we almost even had a theme song for who we are. Come on. Let me just say this. If you're visiting today, we are that type of family. That one that you have to explain, that's us. And let me say on a side note, if you want to see some more of that, come tonight, ladies. Specifically, get here early. Church is not a building, it's a family. It's a house. That's why you don't just attend it. You're part of it. Jesus didn't come for a building. He came for a people. He came for a family. The family of God. And, and the crazy thing is we all come from different places. Now here's the deal that I think we've got to wrestle with first and foremost. is Because when I say the word family, it's not emotionally neutral. Because depending on what type of family you had depending on what type of face you just gave me when I said the word family. Because when I say the word family, for some of you it brings a smile, and for some of you it brings a frown. I've had the chance over the past two weeks to counsel a lot of people. More counseling than I've ever done in my life. I said, thank you, Pastor, for going to South Africa. <laughs> and one of the things that I am realizing in our own house is how many people come from broken families. Every counseling session I did, there was something broken in their families, their natural families. Let's do a show of hands here. How many of you came from a home that was broken, that was a divorced home, maybe raised by a single parent? Raise your hand. Now look around. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Look around. Look around. How many of you came from, you have, put your hands down. How many of you came from a, a family, you had, you had your mom and dad and they were together and still are? Praise God. Look at that. That's awesome. Awesome. Let me show you how this happens because God is building not only a family that's one dimensional. He's not building a white family. Okay? He's not doing that. He's not building a black family. He's building a family that's intermixed, intermingled, all different kinds. And let me show you how this works. How many of you, how many of you graduated high school? Raise your hand. You graduated high school. All right. How many of you graduated college? Raise your hand. All right. All right. How many of you, uh, let's, let's see, how many of you have a past that is a bit skewed with maybe drugs or alcohol or something. There's something in your family that's happened. Raise your hand. 
okay? How many of you got saved in church? Raise your hand. In a church? Raise your hand. How many of you got saved outside of church? Something did and raise your hand. Okay, all right. See what's happening here? God is bringing all different types of people from all different relationships and all different life experiences and he's bringing them together and he's making a family. How many of you are older than 35? Raise your hand. How many of you are younger than 35? Raise your hand. Oh wait, that is me. Never mind. I just had a birthday but I'm still... Okay. You know what I love about that? This isn't the church of Q-tips. You'll get that in a little bit when you go in. It's a bunch of whiteheads. Okay, anyways. And I, listen, I'm glad for the Q-tips. Because <laughs> I'm getting there myself. My wife points it out to me all the time. But I'm, how many of you know when you walk into a church and all you see is people over 50, you know it's not going anywhere. It's only a matter of time. And the thing I love about this church is you walk in and you see people in their 70s, in their 50s, in their 40s, in their 20s, in their 10s, and in the youngers, and they're all praising Jesus together. Amen. I think that's what a family looks like. Multi-generational, multi-ethnic, all over the place. So let's talk about this. What does a healthy house look like? What, if we're going to be a family, what does this look like? What does it actually look like? Write some notes down. Here we go. A healthy house is a place where people want to be. A healthy house is a place where people want to be. Now, we just did a survey just a minute ago of how many you grew up in some of a, somewhat of a dysfunctional home that grew up maybe in a single parent or whatever it is. And, 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 and then there's some of you that grew up, a good bit of you that grew up in, a, in, in, in both parents. But let me just say this. Just because you had both parents doesn't mean it was functional. <laughs> Y'all with me on that one? <laughs> Some of you are like, I maybe wish they would have separated, or I wish I would have at least been able to live with the neighbors next door. Because how many of you know if you grew up in a dysfunctional home, you, you went over to people's houses or your friend's house that there, there was a loving and caring environment, and you walked into that house, and you're like, I wish I could live here. Any of y'all have that? Your family was just crazy. Now, I, now I also know you might be sitting next to your family, so don't look at them. But when you've been raised in dysfunction, when you've been raised in a bit of a chaos, and you walk into an environment, and you walk into a home where there's peace and love, that's not to say there's perfection, but there's peace and love and care, then you just know, this is where I want to be. And a healthy house is a place where people want to be. It's where you... You resolve conflict quickly. It's where you have dinner together. And let me just say this. A healthy house being a place where you want to be, that doesn't happen accidentally. You get there intentionally. You get there intentionally. You build that. You create that environment. You make that what it is. And that's why we create an environment here at OSC where... And I love this because when I call first-time guests or any of our team calls people who come for the first time and you ask them, you know, what did you love most about coming on Sunday? And they just, most of the time, it's not like I loved Pastor Josh's preaching, even though I wish they'd say that. They don't say that. They don't even say like, oh, the worship was just amazing. They don't say that. They say, I just felt, and this is a resounding, I just felt like I was at home. I just felt like I was at home. And, and so that's, that's why you'll see, that's why you'll see people shaking hands and, and hugging necks and, and, and kissing each other. Well, not, anyways, I can only do that with the older women. And so, but you'll see, you'll see this affection within the house because the place where you, you want to be. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I, my, my parents have a, had a drug problem. Um, they drug me to church week in and week out. And I am, I don't, I'm not going to say that I went with the greatest enthusiasm all the time. So let me say this to all the parents in here that drag your kids to church. Keep doing it. I'm a byproduct of a parent and grandparent who continually drug me to church. And God eventually captured my heart because they kept putting me in an environment where God could speak to me. 
And so let me just say that. You don't have to always want to be there, especially if you're a parent. You set the tone for what it is. Amen? <clears throat> let, me, let me read a scripture to you. Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 19. This is what it says. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the what? What does it say? Of the what? Household of God. Built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the what? What's that word? You want to highlight that word. That's a good word. Underline that one. Underline household of God. Underline cornerstone. We mark our Bibles just to let you know here. In whom the whole structure being, what is, what's the next word? Join together, underline that one, join together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for the God, for God by the Spirit. I love this because he says, you were aliens, you were, you, you were foreigners, you were outsiders, but now because of Jesus, you've been brought in. You're in the family. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're in the house. You used to be an outsider, but now you're in. And so he brings them in and he says, listen, I just want to remind you that now that you're in, I want to tell you how this house is built. The foundation of this house that's being built is built not on something, but on someone, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is the cornerstone. And if you know how houses and temples and structures were built in the old days, there was a cornerstone. They would find the the squarest stone, the the heftiest stone, and they would put that in the corner. And it would create from there the patterns to build out the rest of the house. And if the cornerstone was jacked up, the house would be jacked up. But if the cornerstone was a true cornerstone and square, then the house would be right. And this passage is telling us that in this house, and I will say this about our house, that the cornerstone, the foundation that we build on is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the center of what we do. Jesus is why we do what we do. And my greatest job as a pastor is to continue to preach in a way where you know Jesus more. If I preach in a way that you leave here and go, he's awesome, and you don't say Jesus is awesome, then I haven't done the job. My job is to get you to leave this place and you go, Jesus loves me more. I love Jesus more. He's more amazing. It's not a focus on the person speaking, but the person we're speaking of. Preaching better than you're responding. That's okay. We'll get there. We're going to keep preaching Jesus because we know our strength. Like anything, you, you understand the strength of your team. And the strength of our team, the strength of this house is Jesus. We're not that strong, but he is. And I love this because this is a place where you want to be. And then I love the fact that it says that God joins people together. He builds things together. He builds a people together and they become a temple that we are the church. I love that. I love that how God joins. Just think about this just for a quick minute. 15 years ago, Pastor Bob and Miss Tracy are serving selflessly in OSC Broussard at Pastor Jacob's church. Pastor Jacob gets a heart and a vision for Jennings. Pastor Bubba starts coming along. Then there's the call. We want to send you guys to go. They come to Jennings faithfully. Then six months later, I come behind them. And I remember I remember the days, Miss Tracy remembers these two, where we come and there's only like two people. I've, I've been here for 15 years now. I've seen where we've come, so I appreciate where we are. I remember going to Thursday Bible studies and it'd be me and Pastor Bubba and no one showed up. I'd be like, well, I guess it's discipleship time. <laughs> you want some Dairy Queen? That was when Dairy Queen was here. How many want to get Dairy Queen back? Okay, Dairy Queen, come back if you hear me, Okay. And Chick-fil-A if you want to bring your brother, okay? And any other restaurant you want to bring too, let them come. Amen? We'll pray these in. I'll pray with you. We'll, we'll fast, we'll pray. Okay, all right. But I loved it because God joined my heart to Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy, and they became parents to me, took me in. I'll share a little bit of that in just a minute. And then God joined my heart to some real sexy woman, and then she came, and she was on my... That's my wife, just to let y'all know. Um... I'm not, not pointing to Sheila or Sharon. Okay, just want to, it's my wife right here sitting. Okay, even though I know y'all said, okay, anyways. All right, so we, so God joins me with her. And now she's a part of the church. And then, and then God starts bringing people at the Holiday Inn. I don't know how he did, but it was God. So he started bringing people. 
People started getting connected and plugged into the church, and then God gave us the property here, and we met in that nasty building back there that was, we tried to do as best as we could, and we had church, but here's the great thing. The church was never about the building in the first place. It was always about the people. So we can meet wherever. We met in a barn. We could do that. And the great thing is if a tornado came through here, God forbid it ever would, but if it ever came through here and wiped all of our buildings, the church would still be going on. We would still be going on because it's not about a building. It's never been about a building because God wasn't joining bricks and mortar. He was joining people's hearts together. Y'all with me? It's a healthy house where people want to be. I'm so grateful for Pastor Bob and Ms. Tracy Land, the founder. I stand on their sacrifice. You stand on their sacrifice. And guess what? People are going to stand on our sacrifice. So many of you have sacrificed to build this church. But let me remind you that that's because Jesus sacrificed to build you. And I love looking at this church and seeing what God does. And this needs to be a place where people want to be. And I think it is. I think when people come in, they go, this is what's been missing. This is what it looks like. Number two, a healthy house produces sons and daughters. A healthy house produces sons and daughters. Psalms 127.3. We looked at 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Go two verses down to verse three, and this is what it said. Children are a, come on, let's say it out loud. Children are a gift. Some of you, Sunday morning was a little crazy this morning, so you need to like say this little extra oomph. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. Now here's the deal. If you, if you ask any couple that's been married for longer than two weeks, probably the next question that, they, that people are asking them all the time is, when you going to have kids? Like I just got married. Get off my back. You know <laughs> I got married last Saturday. Okay, let's go. So it's always, you're always asking, you know, young married couple, when you, oh, so when are you going to have kids? Because for us, the natural byproduct of being married is, yes, enjoying your spouse, but it's also reproduction. And sometimes when you ask people that may have been married for long stints of time, five, six, seven, eight, whatever years, and you say, well, how many kids do you have? Oh, we don't have any kids. What's the immediate thing that goes off in your mind? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something there is unhealthy. Maybe it's on her end. Maybe it's on his end. And I know we have some people in here that can't have kids. So I understand that. Some that want to have kids and they can't have kids. But we know naturally that there should be a byproduct of children being birthed out of two loving people. Healthy homes produce kids. But remember, yet again, we're not trying to build a crowd. We're trying to build a family. family. So we want to see kids being reproduced in here. And for those that can't have kids, we're going to keep praying for you. That you can. But some can't. You know, there's a statistic that I read last week, and it said, for the last seven years in a row, uh, I'm not going to say what this mainline denomination is, but there's a mainline denomination in, in America for the last seven years in a row that's been declining. It's been declining. And they're closing down churches left and right. And I think I know why. They don't have sons and daughters. Because if you have sons and daughters... That will never happen. See, their house is unhealthy. But when you have a healthy house, it produces sons and daughters. And guess who gets to continue the legacy? Our sons and daughters. I love this church to know that my son will grow up with Luke McCann and Olivia and many of your kids. And for the next 10 to 15 to 20 years, we will see them do incredible things together. Because I never had that. I didn't have a good friend like that that I grew up. We moved around all over the place. And to know that in this house, not only do we value our children, but we value that our children have friends that are encouraging and stirring them up. And then I love the fact of, okay, we're, we're 15 years in now, so, uh, so we're a teenager now. 
We're about to drive. <laughs> and here's the crazy thing. And I know for all of you that are older, you go, well, you don't, you may, anyways, you might not have as much pity on me on this. But like, I'm like, I'm seeing kids that were in preschool almost graduate. Like, this is crazy. Like, they grow up. I have a 10-year-old. They're, they're growing so fast. And, and I'm seeing kids that I, when I was a youth pastor back in the day, now having their own families and now having multiple children. And I love, I love when I sit on this front row. I did it this morning. And I look at the stage and I look at... Allie, and I go, daughter in the house. And I look at Samuel and go, son in the house. And I look at Wally and I go, son in the house. And Andrew, who was a transplant, but he's a son in the house. We, get, we take the New Yorkers. I look at Cody and Allie, who've been here since youth group days when I had to tell Cody to keep his hands off of Allie. And, and now they have two kids. And he leads our production team and she leads our worship team. And I look back and go, it's a son and her daughter. It's a son or a daughter. Like this is what this house is all about. I love that we get to send Alex to New Orleans. Pastor Zach and Claire are now our campus pastors in a whole another city. You know what that is? It's a son and daughter. And I love that this church We'll continue to grow. We'll continue to do great exploits. You know why? Because we're going to continue to produce sons and daughters. And for you that are in here that are new, and if you have kids, that's our desire for your kids as well. That they will grow up in this house and know a healthy home. I love the fact that there are people in here that did not have a healthy home in their own home, and they've come in this home and learned what it is to have a healthy home, and now they have a healthy home with their married, even though they didn't have an example in their natural family. That's what the church does. Y'all with me? That's what the church does. So we're going to produce sons and daughters. Lindsay and I are son and daughter. I talked to Pastor Bob this morning. The last thing he told me, he said, I just want to tell you, you make me proud, son. I was like, you trying to make me cry or something? What you doing? So I respond, thanks for being a dad. I needed one. And that's what most people don't know about my story. Three months before I graduated high school, my dad walked out on our family. And we went to church every Sunday. He knew how to play the game. I mean, the Sunday before, he's at church raising his hands like every other man in the house. And my mom picks me up at school, which I could drive at that time. So I'm wondering what in the world's going on. My mom picks me at school and I'm sitting in the car. My mom's crying like crazy. And I'm like, what's going on? And she says, your dad left. Blew my world. This man loves Jesus. This man's been a dad to me for 17 years. And then it broke me. And I had to become the man of the house at 17. And I had a younger brother and a younger sister, and I had to go with my mom and get them and then sit down and tell them that my dad wasn't going to be a dad. And I had wounds and scars and father issues and authority issues. And I come to Louisiana. Pastor Jacob invites me to come and spend time in Louisiana and tells my mom, send Josh to Louisiana. He needs to come spend some time over here. So I came with all my daddy hurts and issues and all that. Pastor Jacob loved on me. But one of the greatest ways Pastor Jacob loved on me is he then connected me with a man who would truly be a father to me, which is Pastor Bubba. And during the whole year that I was here interning, I drove with Pastor Bubba everywhere. Came to the, I was the only intern that came almost every week to Jennings. Loaded up that nasty green 15-passenger van with him. We jumped in the van with all of the McCann kids, the McCann clan, and Josh. And we drove to Jennings every week. And there, I learned what family looked like. I'd walk into their house and not say hello. And Miss Tracy would be like, Josh, you need to say hello to people when you walk into the house. Okay. Thanks, Mom. And they loved me through my hurts. Loved me through my pain. 
Taught me what? Taught me how to be a dad. Taught me how to be a husband. That's family. And let me say this. When you find family, it's hard to get out of it. Because you don't want to. And over the past 15 years, I've probably had three offers from three different churches to go somewhere else and make, make real money and have a lot of influence. And every time, God's reminded me, but you won't have family. And God's called me here, and he's called me in covenant to walk with Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy until they kick me out of the house. And I say that because God's doing that with some of you. He's joining you together. And that's why we say, if you're a guest here, we don't, we don't say, you know, we don't try to ploy you to come and be a part of our church. And try, we don't do that. This is what we say. You need to pray and you need to hear from the Lord where you need to be. Because God joins you in families. Psalm says that God sets the solitary in families. And some of you have felt, even your own family has felt solitary. You've been bouncing and bouncing and bouncing all over the place. And God wants to set you in family. If it's here, great. If it's somewhere else, great. But you need a family. Amen? Amen. God, thank God for family. Because here's the truth. I can't reach my destiny without Pastor Bob and Miss Tracy. And here's the great thing. They can't reach where God wants them to go without me. We, and this is the way it works as a church. We, can't, we can do more together than we could ever do alone. Number three, a healthy house always emphasizes the importance of every person's gift and contribution. A healthy house always emphasizes the importance of every person's gift and contribution. It takes all of us to run this house. That's something I tell my boys all the time in our own home. It takes all of us to run this house. Everybody's got a responsibility. Uh, in the past probably four or five months, Lindsay and I, I saw Lindsay. My wife's a superwoman. She's incredible. She's amazing. She homeschools boys. She's a physician. She's a, she is a pharmacist. She is a wife. She's a hu- not a husband. Um, <laughs> even though at times she probably wants to take my role too. Uh, but she, she's, a, she's amazing. She's a gift. And I noticed that she was running crazy all over our house. She was cooking and she was cleaning and then she was folding and then she was doing homeschool and then she was, she's just all over the map. And I realized that our boys were just sitting there. And I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. This ain't happening anymore. So we had a little state of, the, state of the marriage date. We sat down and said, how do you feel? She's like, I'm tired and stressed. I'm like, let me tell you why I think you're tired and stressed. I think Josiah is 10 years old. I think he can start pulling his weight a little bit. I think Judah's seven years old. I think he can start pulling his weight a little bit. Joel's five. He can start pulling his weight a little bit. So we started, we came up with a, a, a chart. And actually we saw it, so we didn't, we stole the idea, but we thought it was a great idea. And we have two charts. We have a, a chart of responsibilities that the boys can do to earn, earn money in the house. There's ways, so we're teaching them how to be generous, teaching them that if they want something, they've got to earn money, and then they can go pay for it themselves. They want to go with their friends, and so there's ways for them to earn money. Earn money. But we, we did a second chart, so each boys have two charts, and the, the other chart says, because you're older. And this chart is specifically tasks that they can do in our house that they will never get paid for, but they do it because they live in my house. So like you make your bed, you brush your teeth, you take out your old dog, you, you, you with me here? And each one of them have eight specific responsibilities according to their age of what they can do. But these are things that they do in our house because they're older and because they live in my house. And they will never get money for that because that's what they're called to do because they're older and because they live in this home. Are y'all with me here? And hey, we're, we haven't perfected this thing. There's still times we want to take over because how many of you know when they're cleaning, you could just do it real quick and do it done a lot faster. How many of you with me on that one? Like, just get out of the way, you know? <laughs> I got this. But, but isn't that the same way that God could do that too? We're trying to do things and God could just step in and do it a lot easier, but he lets us. And he's like, oh, good job, baby. Good, good job. Then he comes about behind us and he cleans up. Okay. But there is gifts and there is contributions and there's things in this house. And let me say this, and this applies to us as a spiritual family, that if this is going to be your house, then everybody has a responsibility. I know I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. That's okay. 
But I will encourage you that if we're going to reach our potential as a house, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, we need every person in this house to be doing something for the kingdom of God. Don't die with your spiritual gift. You got a gift, God gave it to you, and it needs to be used. And if it's not being used, you will be miserable. You'll be miserable. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, and we're going to wrap this thing up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. But as it is, God, watch this. Who, who arranges the members? God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chooses. If all were a single member, where would the body be? So if everybody was a toe, wouldn't, wouldn't, be, wouldn't work. All right? It says if, if, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So that's... That's, that's explaining the church. That's explaining the family. Listen, not everybody in my family gets to be the dad. That's my role. And here's, let me, I'm going to speak to you on this one. When another person is doing the role of the other person, that house will be chaotic. When a wife is having to do the husband's role, now listen, there's grace for those that are single moms in here. So for all the single moms in here, listen, you're doing what you've got to do, and I believe there's grace for there. But if there's a husband in the house, and you're in there, and you're having to do the husband's job, how many of you know it'd be a lot easier if he would do his job, and you would do your job, and the house would be a lot better? Y'all true on this? The kids do their responsibility. The house would be better. The house would be more healthy. But when one doesn't want to do what they're supposed to do, it makes the house unhealthy. Then other people have to compensate for those things. Are y'all with me here? And the same applies spiritually to a spiritual family is when all parts aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, then other parts have to go in and do what the other ones are lacking. Y'all with me? I know this isn't popular preaching. But I'm just telling you how this plays out. If we're going to be a church that is, impacts our community and takes this city for Jesus, every person's got to play their part. So here's the question. What's my part? Guess what? That's what Next Step's all about. Next Step is all about helping you discover your part. Discovering the gifts that God's put in you. Discovering how you can use them for the kingdom. Because the church is not a museum that you spectate. It's a movement that you join and get a part of. Y'all with me? This isn't a museum. You're not coming in and going, ooh, that's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. This is a movement, and we're taking ground. Because the enemy is real, and heaven, uh, heaven is real, and so is hell. And I don't know about y'all, but I would like to depopulate hell and populate heaven. Y'all with me on this one? I would like to make it as extremely hard as possible for people to get to hell. And if they want to get to hell, they've got to go through OSC. Y'all with me on this one? See, because we're all a part of the family here at OSC Jennings. And, and let me say this. Your level of involvement determines how much of the family you're going to be a part of. Your level of involvement will be based off of how much family you're going to be a part of. So if you got in the hospital for two weeks and nobody called you, I can tell you why. Nobody knows you. Because I guarantee you, anybody that's been in the hospital that is a part of this family, they've been called. Because they're known. Our life groups are designed to be a place where you can get cared for, protected, you can get encouraged, you can get, y'all with me here? That's why we encourage life groups. Life groups just not something else to fill your calendar because you need something else to do. Let's be honest, we got way too much to do already. So why do we want to overpopulate our schedule with stuff that we don't need to do? Life groups are a place for you to be real, to be heard, to be seen, to be encouraged, to be loved, to be forgiven, to be taught. Y'all with me here? If you want to be pastored in this church, it probably won't be by me. It'll be in those life groups because you're going to get more care in those groups than ever before. And we got 12 of them. So if you don't have one, we'll find one for you. But everybody's got a gift and everybody's got contribution they can give. And last and number four is a healthy house is an open house. A healthy house is an open house. Let's, let's do a survey here. How many of you have a favorite seat in this worship center? How many of you have a favorite seat? Yeah, I know you because yeah, you sit there every time. Okay, I, I know who you are. Let's, let's be honest. You sit in the same place every week. It almost has your name on it. And it probably, if we flipped it over, it might have your name on it. Just so if anybody comes up to you and sits in your seat and you're like, yeah, that's my seat. And they go, I don't see your name on it. You can go flip that chair over. That's got my name on But how many of you, let's just see this real quick. How many of you are sitting next to an empty seat? 
Yeah, because most of us want a buffer zone, first off. Right? Let's, let's deal with this the way it is. We want a buffer zone. We want a buffer zone. But let me say this. I pray we come to the day where we're, we're less concerned about my seat and more concerned about the empty one. I don't look out of here and see all the people. I see the empty seats. I do. And I hate that they're actually right here in the front because I feel like I'm preaching to them all the time. We as a house need to be an open house. Let me show you what this looks like. Luke chapter 14, verse 23, it says this. This is Jesus. Jesus says to his master, he's given a parable. So his master says to him, go out into the country lanes. Come on, we got some of those in Jennings, huh? They guard there. Uh, go out to the country lanes and behind the hedges. And now look what it says. And urge anyone you'll find to come so that my house will have a bunch of empty seats. Right? No. He says, so that my house will be full. You know that 80% of people who are invited to church will actually take you up on it? Most people are waiting to be invited. Now, there's some of you that you've been inviting the same people over and over and over again. And I, I know. There's a couple of people I've been doing the same thing. And for those people, God just wants to see if you'll continue to be faithful. But I want to show you a number that, that, that should drive this point home. So in Jeff Davis Parish, I did, a, I, did, I did some research this week. And in Jeff Davis Parish, let's put this, put this first number up. In Jeff Davis Parish, there is 31,432 people. Now, we're a church not just in Jennings. We're a parish church. And so we have people from Welsh and Lake Arthur and Iota and Hathaway and Egan and Lake Ar- uh, Roanoke and everywhere, all from around here. And so that's great. So we are a parish church. And so this is what this represents, 31,432. Here at the Jennings campus, we average over 200 people. So there's 31,200 and something. Now, let me show you the, the number that, that keeps me up at night. And I pray that it will for you too. Put another number up. These are how many people that live in Jeff Davis Parish that don't go to church. 13,515 people. That means the other, I don't do math, um, 16,000 or so have a church. And that's cool. I'm not out to get people from other churches. I'm after 13,515 people. So now we know this. We can't fit 13,515 people in this place. Nevertheless, 500. But I believe that as we reach people, God will build buildings as well. And we will plan more campuses and we will do more things. But that's the number. This is the number that keeps me awake at night. That means almost 46% of our parish does not either doesn't know Jesus or has absolutely no care for Jesus or the church. And as a church, that should bother us. Our mission as a church is to get this number down. Y'all with me here? We want this number to come down. We want the house to be full. And the moment we start looking inside and worrying about our needs and our seat and our place and our thing is the moment we start going backwards. The way we move forward as a church is not by focusing on us, it's by focusing on others. And the heartbeat of this house is why we exist, which is to reach people and build lives. Reach people and build lives. Now let me wrap this up with the practical. Tonight, we have been planning for the past six weeks, eight weeks, a while, for an Arise Night, which is a night for women. Here's one way we can look at it. This is a great night for me to go out with all my girls. Or we could look at this and go, this would be a great opportunity for me to invite every woman that I know that doesn't know Jesus. Which one do you think God wants? I think he wants both of them. I think he wants you to enjoy girls, but I think he wants you to invite people. And what greater opportunity to invite? 
Listen, we don't do events just to do events. To be honest with you, I, I would rather do a bunch of other things than just host a bunch of events because we do all the work for the most part. So I'd rather not do events, to be honest with you. The egg drop that we're going to do in four weeks, there's somewhat of a dread in there because I'm like, 30,000 eggs, not really my deal. But let me tell you, let me tell you what drives me. Not 30,000 eggs. What drives me is 4,000 people who came last year. That's what drives me. To know that somebody might come to an egg drop and see that a church loves a community and then get the flyer that says, oh, they have Easter service the next day and show up to church and meet Jesus. That's what drives me. That's why we do what we do. And so, listen, practically how this plays out is tonight, come tonight, when you leave here tonight, we'll post something on Facebook that you can share. Bring somebody tonight for all the ladies. Get here, get here early. Let's see what God can do. Next week, Chris Reese bringing in a New Orleans Saints player to come on Sunday morning, invite people to come to that. Man fest that night. I mean, it's going to be an awesome time. I mean, what else is better to eat with men, to eat barbecue and watch them ride a brunk, bunking, buck bunking? <laughs> Bucking Bronco. <laughs> in two weeks, we have Riverfest. If you don't know what Riverfest is, it's an outreach that we are a part of in Lake Arthur. My heart has always been in Lake Arthur. And on March 21st, we'll be in Lake Arthur, loving on people, thousands of people there. We need you. You'll see it on that. There's a, there's a reason you got this little thing this morning. We, we specifically made this for you so you could see all the things that are coming up. And yet again, let me remind you, we're not doing this because we just want to be busy and have a bunch of activities just to have stuff. We're doing these strategically to give you opportunities to bring people into the house. Are y'all with me? These are divine moments where if we can invite people, listen, it's about the empty seat, not the filled seat. It's about the empty seat. When we see the empty seat, every time we can fill an empty seat, we see people that don't know Jesus, hear about Jesus, and then maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit will do something in them, save them, save their marriage, and to know that you got to be a part of it. Y'all with me? We get to join on the journey of what God is doing here. He's doing some incredible things here in this, this area. Jesus wants a family. He wants a family. And that's what he's building. But more than, is more than building the church and the church family, God is building his family. The Bible says we are his sons and daughters. We are his. He is our father. He is the good father. So here's the great news. For those who had terrible fathers, God is the best one. That's the, he's the best one. The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. And so we come knowing that he is our father, but then he loves us enough to put us in other family, the church, to be loved and cared for.